0: Uh, once again, welcome to week number one of our summer sermon series, uh, focusing on two books of the Bible, the book of Second Peter and also the epistle of Jude. Over the next eight weeks, we're going to unpack them, walk through them. And what we're going to find in them are these inspired words from God to these two individuals communicated to, to Christian congregations that included tough words, but also tender words. And we pray as a church that 2,000 years later, those words... And encourage them, do the same for you and for me and our members at 922. The calm before the storm. Like over the course of the last several months, we've had a few of those storms that were just a little bit eerie in the, the calm before it. I don't know where you guys live, where I live on the south and more west side of town on College Avenue. Like there was this day when the storm was coming, the weather... People had predicted it. The scrolling across the bottom of the screen was, was tracking it and telling you of, of the warning and the watches and, and the hail that could come. But, but right before, it was like this eerie no movement. You could see it off moving toward you, and yet the calm was, was real and weird. But here's the thing about the calm before that storm. Like, eventually, the the skies opened up, the hail came down, and it was one of those storms that caused a whole lot of damage. I didn't have hail damage at my house, but some of you are getting new roofs, got a new roof, got some new siding, had window damage. Like, when the storm finally hits, even though the calmness before it, you don't know when it's going to hit, when it does, it unleashes a fury and does a whole lot of damage, Now, one of the amazing things, because we can predict weather, meteorologists can study the patterns and and make the best estimates, use their knowledge to predict where it's going to be, that if a really bad storm comes, there are sirens that go off that will blare to alert you to the reality that you need to to pay attention, that you need to take action. Because otherwise, you are in danger. And I bring all of that up, Because I want you to have that as the backdrop, what's going on behind the scenes, for the Christians that Peter was writing to. Spiritually, literally, they were in a storm. Peter wrote these words sometime between 64 AD and 68 AD, which means it's right around that bridge of time where, where Nero, the Roman emperor, started going after Christians and persecuting Christianity. And so literally, externally, they were on the verge of, maybe while it was calm right then, a huge storm. But that wasn't the only storm they were facing. As we're unpacking this book, they were facing other storms. They had other issues. And Peter understood how important it was to be proactive, to be ready for the storm and in the storm. Because Peter was one who had endured storms in his life. Like literal storms and attacks from the devil, spiritual struggles and things that he wrestled with. And as he wrote this book, he knew that he was going to face the end of his life and be put to death for his faith. How do you stand strong in the storm? How do you face the storm? What is required of a Christian who, who has faith but well, maybe is wandering maybe is straying maybe is struggling that's what these words were written to accomplish because peter did not want them to fall and fail in the storm like he did when he denied jesus he didn't want them to sink like he did on the water when the seas got rough and the storm was real And so as we unpack 2 Peter, we're going to see a lot of issues that this Christian congregation had, and a whole lot of tough words, but also much-needed tender words, encouraging words to Christians in the storm. Now, before we get into the meat of the issues, as we unpack this book, I just want to give you a few highlights of what was going on. I told you the author is Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, the early Christian church leader. When he wrote it, 64 to 68 AD, the persecution of Christianity that would go on until about 300 AD, was about to go in full swing under Nero. Peter wrote these words as a follow-up to his first epistle. First Peter is more like Pastor Michael's starting point class. Anyone here take starting point ever with Pastor Michael? Like a Bible basics 101, key teachings, key doctrines. First Peter is chock full of amazing truths, Jesus-focused, core Christian values and, and teachings. His second letter was not written to newbie Christians, his letters were being written to Christians he knew, who he had taught, who had issues. And four key issues, if you're thinking of the book as we go to unpack them over the next six weeks, they had forgotten their identity and they were failing to live out their faith. So they had come to know Jesus, they, they knew grace, but their faith was stalling out, getting stagnant, not moving forward. And Peter knew there was a reason to blast the siren and wake him up because the storms that they were in and were going to face, that was not the kind of faith that was needed to face it and stand strong. They were wrestling with their confidence in the word of God. It was shaky. There were false teachers amongst their congregation that were trying to undermine God's word and the validity of it. Like, you know how important it is to to not be shaky when it comes to God's word? Like, the book is what we have. (laughs) the truths that we need to know. And if your faith in it is shaky, in a storm, you're in trouble. Like if the compass on your boat is your only guide, as the waves are high, and you're not sure the compass is working, <laughs> not good. And then the last issue was, they were way too focused on earthly things Valuing earthly things more than spiritual. And if that's
1: the case, when you start to get persecuted for your faith, <laughs> you're going to be in trouble.
0: Like this life and the things of this life and holding on to this life versus eternal life. If, if this is getting your focus and attention and, and is your passion, your faith is in danger. So the, the sirens are blaring in, in, in Peter's ears and... And God inspires him to write these words. Now, he starts the book off with these words. They're neither tough nor tender, but I I would tell you that they're the the foundational truths that that he wanted them to hold on to, remember, that were a part of the the entire letter that he's about to write. They needed to keep these things in mind each and every day. Peter starts writing the words of this second letter to his Christian friends in Asia Minor, which is present-day Turkey. You kind of know where that is in the world think Ukraine, think that area over there, we're we're talking that region of the world. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours, grace and peace be yours in abundance to the knowledge of God and of of Jesus our Lord. Now every New Testament epistle begins with something like this. Uh, It highlights for you, who the author is, and has a few introductory words and a greeting. And a lot of times we just skip past it, right? It's no big deal. Author identified. He's basically saying hello. Just kind of like at the top of a page, you write your greeting in an email to somebody, dear Christian friends, dear mom and dad, like uh, uh, those kind of things. We we bypass this, but I don't want you to bypass this. Because when the storms in life were going to hit these Christians, these two verses highlight what was... Front and center, vital and important, a matter of life and death message that they needed to remember. You see how many times in those two verses is Jesus identified, talked about? Uh, the direction that he wants them to look and the thing that he wants them to remember. Like if, if Peter wanted to highlight things for them about the storms of life, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Remember he's the Savior. Remember he is God. Remember that because of him and through him and the knowledge of him, you abound in grace and you
1: have peace. And grace and peace and righteousness are summary words for key number two.
0: Don't just remember Jesus and focus on Jesus, but remember who you are. Remember the result of what Jesus has done. Identity, identity, identity. Like Jesus and identity. Identity linked to Jesus. Jesus gives you your identity. Your identity uh, and and how you live flows from who Jesus is and what he did. Those two things are inseparable. Peter knew it, clung to it, and he wanted them to remember it. This is who he is, and this is what he has done, and as a result, this
1: is who you are. And yet after those short, important
0: introductory words, the the reminder of the blessing of your identity, that the more you know Jesus, the more peace that you have, the more grace abounds. The more you know Jesus, the more you get to celebrate righteousness, that you've been declared not guilty. Peter quickly moves on to the issues. Like some of the gospel writers, like Apostle Paul, he had a... A lot longer introductory things at at different times, a long prayer, words of encouragement, thanksgiving. But Peter jumps right to the issues. And at the end of the day, that's what all the epistles are really about. They're written to Christian congregations who had issues, who were dealing with storms. Some of the storms were theological, some of the storms... Were, were spiritual and temptation uh, and sin-related. Some were emotional resilience need, needed and required. Some lacking spiritual and more spiritual resilience was, was called on by, by the apostles. But there was always an issue that needed to be addressed. And this side of heaven, there will always be issues because in this life, this side of heaven, you and I will always face storms. And you know what the storms can do? Like If you don't pay attention to the storm, if if you don't do the things that you need to do to protect yourself, there could be a great deal of damage. And Peter understood the spiritual damage that could be done, which is why he follows up with these tough and tender words. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. Through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by its evil desires. Like, issue number one that Peter's going to address, because the storms of life were real for these Christians, is that they were compromising their faith, that they were willing to set it aside, that they weren't living it as they knew they were called to live it. In fact, they were. Celebrate people who celebrated God's grace, loved forgiveness. But you know what happens? This side of heaven for Christians, we face storms. Temptations are hard. Challenges are real. And it's easy to, to compromise your faith, fall from your faith. Be led away from it. Now, I know you don't see it in here, but Peter's quick transition says one very clear thing. And he wanted to cut them off before they got to their excuse list. Like, if you look at verse 1, there's a whole lot behind it. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. These newbie Christians came to faith, and then the storms made life hard as a Christian. Like, what do you mean, God. I have to change my lifestyle. I can no longer do that. <laughs> hey, God. Like, that's really hard. I don't know if I can carry that out. Hey, God. Like, I know Jesus is God, and he faced every temptation, but do you really know how hard this temptation is? Like, I can't do it, overcome it. I might as well give into it. Like, have you ever heard that? Or maybe have you ever said that? Like, this temptation is so big and so real, God, I don't have what it takes
1: to fight it, to follow through with it, to do it. And Peter basically says, baloney. (laughs) I don't know who said that. He says, God has given you everything you need for a
0: godly life. Everything. Everything? Yeah, he's given you everything to face that temptation and the lust that's in your heart. Because he's given you the Holy Spirit, and you have the ability to resist the devil and tell him to flee. Not because you're strong, but because of my divine power. Not because you are so good and so great, but because of what I have done. That's why he says, remember... Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises, like his word, that word that you're doubting, that word that in the storm you're wondering if it's true that God will keep his promises. That very word that enables you to do it gives you the strength and ability to participate in his divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. God has equipped you, God has empowered you. You have all the resources, all the tools, all that you need to take your faith to the next level. No more excuses. Even when you fail, remember you are forgiven. And the old is gone and the new has come. Rely on God. Remember his word. He will not fail. If you're taking notes about a next level faith, here's the first thing Peter wanted them to remember and you need to remember when you are facing storms. When it comes to a next level faith, it is God's work. Like you can do this and these blessings can be yours because it is him at work, not you. God the Holy Spirit in the waters of baptism made you his child. God through his means of grace, the powerful word that he's given to you strengthens you in that faith. God the Holy Spirit is at work through the the sacrament of the Lord's Supper offering and giving you forgiveness of sins, life and salvation. And we oftentimes pray as we leave the Lord's table We go away, Lord, empower me to live as you would have me live. To do that. A next level faith, God says, is possible because it is God's work. All of faith is. The fact that you have it, God. The fact that it can grow, God. The fact that it can grow even stronger, God. The fact that you hold on to it till your last breath, God. And Peter needed them to remember that. Because you know what Peter found out in his life of faith? When he thought it was all about him, he epically failed. Hey, Jesus, I will go down swinging for you. Like, I will die with you, Jesus.
1: And a few hours later, he called down curses and said, I do not know the man. When he got out of the boat, and he took his eyes off of Jesus, he almost sunk, because he was relying on himself and not God in the storm. But, like a next level faith is God's work. I do not want to underestimate that.
0: A Next level faith is only possible because of Jesus Christ, his life, his death, his resurrection. A next level of faith can only take place because of the gospel, the message of Jesus Christ. That's why Peter said, Jesus, 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 that's your identity. He focused them on that, but look at what he says next. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith. Like a next level of faith is God's work. But these are tough words. Because Peter looked his Christian friends in the eyes and said, stop making excuses. God has given you everything you need to do and accomplish this and to to move it forward. But you need to do the work. You make every effort to add to your faith. And a whole long laundry list of Christian qualities that God wants you and I to add to our faith. Now I want to come back to the list, but before I do, I want to give you blank number two, because it ties together with number one. A, a next level of faith is God's work. Amen. The Holy Spirit alone is the one who makes it happen, made it happen, and can make it happen. But
1: a next level faith requires work. You to do the work. Like I've looked my
0: kids in the eyes and said, if you want to pass that class, if you want to get through it, that class and subject, if you want to, to get that job, you got to do the work. Like, don't bring your Algebra 2 book home and ask me to help you. I can't figure it out. I can't sit there and take the test. You need to do the work. And God mints us no words. And here's the thing. And When I talk
1: about tough and tender, this is tough. It's not easy. Because when the storms of life hit, it's so easy to get distracted.
0: Like we might be listening to all the things they had issues with, and like, how could they be so consumed with things of this world and not focused on things of eternity? But I would challenge you that if I looked at your life, you might spend a whole lot of time thinking about this life, these relationships, that bank account, all the things worldly that get your attention. And when the worldly things in a storm collide, you get overwhelmed, and you lack peace, and you wonder why.
1: Because you're not doing the work. Like, Pastor Tim, why is it that you crumble,
0: and complain, and grumble, and, and act like that? Because, Pastor Tim, you haven't been doing the work. Why do I give into that sin? Why does that one get me? What? Because you're not doing the work.
1: And it's required. And I don't want to mince words. It's hard. But I also it for you to make sure that God
0: didn't leave you unequipped. Remember what he said at the beginning? I've given you everything you need to live a
1: godly life. And you know where you find it? The book. It's where you find the promises. It's
0: where you find the gospel, the book. But it will take work for you to have a next-level faith, but you have to open the book. Like Pastor Mike put a whole lot of time into three reading plans this year. They're on version. We've printed up the list. We actually printed up the passages by the Information Center for our next one that launches tomorrow. We've given you opportunities to, to join a group so there's accountability. But you know what? You still have to get up tomorrow morning. You have to open the app, and you have to do the work. Like Pastor Mike put all that work into it, recorded videos for it, set it all
1: in front of you, but you have to do the work. And we've given you something simple to remember
0: that helps you take your faith next level and the work that's required. It's called Roots. Like you did the work this morning, and, and you set your alarm, and you got dressed, and you're gathering. Some of you this last week have done a reading plan with your group. You are rooted and connected to others for accountability, and you've opened the book, and you've been blessed. The Holy Spirit's the one who takes it next level, but God's called people who are filled with the Holy Spirit to, to put in the time and do the work. And if you look at your life over the last month, last year, last two years, and, and when the storms have hit, you've crumbled, the, like a storm hitting a tree that has weak roots and it, it knocks it over. If you've crumbled, you lack peace. If, if there's not joy, if you're doubting, the, the odds are pretty good you're not rooted in doing the work. And I know that's tough to hear, but I need you to look at your heart and evaluate where you're at. Because Peter says, I don't want you to go down the wrong path. The next level faith is God's work. A next level faith requires work. If you look at that laundry list of things that I put up there before, here are the things that he wants you to work on and add to your, your faith. Goodness, which is moral virtue. Like, be a, a morally good person. Have values that are godly. Knowledge, which is practical knowledge for Christian living. You, you know what God says, if you want to know how to live and live the life worthy of a calling you have... Get into the book, read Proverbs, read Psalms, read the Ten Commandments each and every day. You'll know right and wrong, good and bad, godly and ungodly. Self-control, add to it self-control. Restrain your emotions and impulses and desires. Have perseverance. When the storm comes, you need to get through it. Some storms are very quick, but some take a long time. Add to it godliness, which is a love for God. Add to it mutual Affection, which is love for other people, and ultimately at the end of the faith and value section is love, you first. Like Add those things to your life, and the only way you can get those things is by doing the work, being connected to the Holy Spirit, because he alone can take your faith next level. But God says he's given you everything you need for it. Everything. And that's why we believe so much in the roots, and we will say it over and over and over again. The stronger
1: your Jesus roots are, the more next level your faith will go. And that's the thing
0: I want you to think about. The action step I want you to take this week and in this series—like, which of your roots needs to go to the next level for you to have stronger Jesus roots? Stop making excuses. Stop saying you can't do it. Because God has given you everything you need for it, and. And the cross of Jesus, the love of God, the grace that is yours fills us with the ability and gives us the motivation to go next level so that we can face the storms. A next level faith, a faith like that requires work. And we can help you and we will encourage you, but circle a root, think about a root. Is it gathering this summer? Is it growing in that reading plan? Is it grouping with others? Is it giving of your time? How are you showing mutual affection? How are you loving others first? And all those things Peter calls them to, they're tough words. But here's the why, which is so comforting and encouraging and tender. Look at these words of of Peter in verses 8 and 9 that he follows him. For if you possess these qualities, like I'm not trying to sell you something and saying it's hard and it takes work without there being something at the end of it. Like, Working out in the gym, doing the weights, uh, working the plan, gets you to a certain place, you see the win at the end, spiritually, in the storms, if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, if you add them to your repertoire of faith, if you go next level, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Like If you add these things, if you possess them in larger amounts, your knowledge of our Lord and Jesus Christ will be effective and be productive. Your family will be blessed because they will see love. You will be blessed because you won't cave to temptation. You will find opportunities to, to love others and be a blessing in their life. In the Greek, you can't see it here, but it's a double negative that Peter uses. He puts a negative in front, and he puts a negative in front of each of those words. and, and his way, What he's trying to say is, if you do these things and possess these things in an increasing measure you will have a whole lot of productiveness and a whole lot of effectiveness in your faith. Do you want a faith like that? Like, do you want your home to be a place where there's a whole lot of that? Mutual affection and love? Do you want a life where, where self-control and perseverance in the storm is at your fingertips and on display? Instead of lashing out with harsh words because you're exhausted and tired, you, you're filled with peace and joy? Do you want a faith like that, that when you breathe your last, when the ultimate storm hits, maybe that diagnosis or that downhill slide in health, that you boldly and proudly in the face of death proclaim Jesus and and have no fear? I want a faith like that. I want you to have a faith like that. But even more, I know God wants you and me, 922, and every last Christian to have that kind of next-level faith. And it is possible because he gives you everything you need. It is possible because you have the book, and the stronger your roots, the more fruit. And that's the why that Peter sells. If you possess these qualities in increasing measure, you will be productive and effective in your life of faith. But if you don't, if you don't have them, if you're going the other direction, you're nearsighted and blind and, and spiritually endangered. Like, if your roots are weak, if you aren't connected to Jesus, like, if you want to go your
1: own path, you spiritually lose at the end. And the storm will destroy you. Peter wants you and me to have fruit.
0: And not just fruit this side of heaven, not just joy and peace in the storm, not just Mutual love and relationships that are that are strong. He he also wants us to have the ultimate fruit. The final words of our section for for this week. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and teaching. And you remember how James said faith works? Uh, Faith without works is dead. But your works reveal the faith that's in your heart. They don't get you to heaven. They don't earn you anything, but they confirm it. They reveal it. When the storms hit and you have peace, when the storms hit and you're still filled with joy, when the storms hit and you don't cave to temptation, that reveals that, that your faith is genuine and real and next level. And gives you the opportunity to praise God and point the finger in the right direction, just like Peter did. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. My identity is a result of Jesus. For if you do these things, you will never stumble, literally fall from faith. Not that you won't sin, but you won't fall away, because when you sin, you'll turn to God. For if you do these things, you will never stumble, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. A next level faith, my friends, Peter knew it, he was clinging to it, he wants you to have it, because in this life there are storms, and a next level faith produces fruit. Fruit right here, right now, mutual love, joy, perseverance in the storms, but even more importantly, it produces the ultimate fruit,
1: eternal life of God. And Peter knew that was the ultimate thing that mattered. And he knew
0: how dangerous storms were. That it could rob you of that. See, next week we're going to unpack the next section. And here's what Peter knew was coming his way and how bad the storm was going to be. Like he hadn't faced it yet. The predictions were there. God had told him about it. But but Peter knew that his life was going to come to an end. We'll talk about it more next week, but...
1: He knew that storms are real. Which is why he led addressing this issue. Don't
0: take your faith for granted. Don't make excuses that it's not moving in the right direction. God has given you everything you need. A next level of faith begins with God and is possible through God. But a next level of faith takes work. Brothers and sisters, he wanted them to do the work
1: because he didn't want them to lose out on that. The ultimate fruit of eternal life. Because there, there will be no storms. Because there will be with Jesus. Peter wrote these tough and tender words. And I know a little bit of today is tough, because if it hits you in the heart in
0: the right place, you've evaluated your roots. But here I want you to hear the tender. I want you to hear the tender love of God and that promise is to do exactly what he said here. He will make you productive and effective. And that's what I pray this series does. It blesses you in your roots. And as a result, you will experience the Spirit's fruits no matter what the storm, the next weeks, months, or years have. God bless us in this series as we hear tough but tender words that remind us of who we are and point us back to Jesus. Let's pray.
1: Heavenly Father, roots produce fruit. Like, and we
0: know, because we've experienced strong storms in our life, literally, what happens when trees don't have strong roots. They get ripped up, destroyed, carried off, smashed into pieces. And that's not what you wanted for those early Christians. And so you called them out through Peter. Strong words, tough words, needed words. So, Lord, today we thank you that you have given us the gift of faith and the ability for it to grow by your doing. We thank you for Jesus, who when we look at him and see him, we get stronger and grow in these areas. But we need your help, Lord. We need your encouragement. We need each other to do this together. So I pray for 922 in our roots. Lord, let this summer be a time when we we gather intentionally, where we grow uh, and read your word where we grouped with others so that we don't miss our blind spots, because, Lord, it's so easy to fall prey to the temptation and have our faith backslide as opposed to the next level. So I pray for our church that you might bless us with Jesus' roots, because, Lord, you want us to experience all of those fruits, those qualities, and so many more in abundance.